Welcome to the Wizards of Dabs podcast, where we interview the creators of various decentralized applications in the Web3 ecosystem. We learn about how they are built and the insights that come from shipping. And we're your co-hosts. I'm Peter. And I'm Bethany. Hi, and welcome back to the Wizards of Dabs. This week, we're talking to the team behind the token. The token is a DAO-run hedge fund which launched in the June of 2019. Six months after its launch, we talk about the insights gained and learned, right, from what they built and, you know, engaging with a community-run hedge fund. Unknown to many, they were actually some of the earliest DAP developers in the space, working on BitToken from the beginning of 2018, nearly two years ago. While everyone was, you know, caught up in the token frenzy at that time, they ignored that and kept their heads down building. They've been some of the longer running, you know, developers in the space building on the application layer. We also talk about the advice regarding dApps and essentially what they feel about the space. They're some of the most knowledgeable product people in the space, and I hope you really enjoy the show. Again, I would like to acknowledge and thank our sponsors, 1KX, for supporting the show. Welcome and thanks for coming on board, right? BTokens are a really cool project to me. It's a project where, you know, uh, individuals can join this DAO called BTOKEN, right, with their own funds, and they can be part of this decentralized uh, hedge fund, basically. You want to talk more about that, you know, and I guess, you know, you launched this in the June of last year, 2019. What is BTOKEN exactly, right? And, you know, how has it transpired since then? Yeah, so BTOKEN is a decentralized hedge fund. That's the short version of it. The long version is that it's, first of all, an open hedge fund, so anyone can join as a manager, as a fund manager, and anyone could join as an investor. So yeah, that's a part of the ideal that we wanted to keep. The other part is that it's meritocratic. So for the managers, yeah. So imagine like if you have a hedge fund and anyone, literally anyone could join in, like it's going to be a mess, right? If you don't do something special about it. So what we decided to do was that we decided to use a token incentive system such that the better a manager is, um, the more proportion of the fund that they will be able to manage, that they will be able to use for investments. Right. So essentially, let's say there's $40,000 in B token, right? You know, and there's equal shares, uh, I guess. Well, not equal, there's unequal shares of, you know, uh, who gets to control what portion of the fund. Do they have, you know, the rights to the original uh, principle? Like, how does that work, right? You know, let's say, um, let's say there's a $40,000 fund right now. I put in $1,000. What do I get, right? And how do I perhaps, you know, gain more managerial control over the funds? Yeah, so... When you put in money as a manager, that money is basically, it's not invested in the fund per se. Like you're not going to be an investor at the same time as a manager. Uh, you're just going to use that money to purchase your uh, management rights. So after you, you have become a manager, the way that you increase your control of the fund is through making investments. And not just making any investments, making actually good investments. Yeah. So basically, as a manager, you would stake your managerial tokens 
into different kinds of investments, right? Different kinds of cryptocurrencies, for instance. And as those investments earn or lose money, your stake changes proportionally. So for instance, if one of your investments earns a 10% uh, return on investment, then your stake is going to increase by 10% when you uh, when you sell that investment. And when you lose 10%, your stake also decreases by 10%. Um, if you lose more than that, like it actually, it's actually different. It's not like if you lose 15%, it's going to be more than 15%. Uh, but we can talk about that later. Basically, so what was the original hypothesis around uh, B-Token itself, right? Do you think that, you know, groups of random internet strangers could come together to coordinate a hedge fund, right? I guess, you know, that leads uh, to the other question of like, you know, do managers collaborate with each other on strategies or is it much uh, very separate and, and independent? It's actually rather hard to define, I would say. So for instance, if we compare Betoken to another product, say uh, Melonport, where each manager has their own fund, in that environment, they the managers would absolutely be uh, competitive with each other. But in Betoken, it's different because we have all these managers managing a single fund. So their fate is kind of tied together. So they it kind of encourages a community to form around this fund and for people to uh, collaborate. But at the same time, like if, you know, another manager just happens to be so good that he starts taking up like a lot of the control, then of course other managers aren't really incentivized to see that. So it's kind of a mixture of both cooperation and uh, competition. Right. I guess, you know, so why did you create the project, right? In the very beginning, what was that initial idea, right? Uh, you know, was it, I guess it was around coordination, I guess. Because like it could be framed like, you know, like a either like a genius idea, like, oh, wow, look at the power of the internet. Or it could be like, this is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> you know, like who, <laughs> who could imagine, right, that, you know, you know, random internet people could come together to manage money. You know, that's just, uh, that's typically to how these funds are run in the first place, right? Just want to understand, you know, how you think about the strengths of B-Token, right? Yeah, so when we first started working on the token, the main idea is a meritocratic idea. So like our main hypothesis was that if we have this kind of meritocratic system on, you know, doing something, then over time it'll get better and better as a system. And uh hedge fund was like first of all like the easiest way to implement this idea because everything's tied to money, so everything's uh, quantifiable. The other is because, you know, it's, it's crypto. Of course, there's going to be money involved. Right. Do you think, um, the experiment has worked to some extent? What has been kind of the progress so far? Nearly seven months out from the mainnet launch of this. Um, what's been the result? I, I, and, and kind of the outlook on it. We, we need to talk about two things, the, the actual results, uh, the positive side of it and the, issue we run into during this last seven months uh, since the launch. The positive side is we have an activity, we have a manager actively managing right now the, the fund and we have a community of investors. We have 
uh, around the 100 investors in the fund right now, still active with shares. And we uh, have uh, a community of uh, 50 uh, manager, uh, active manager running the fund each month. So that's a good point. We still go into some issue since we distributed the power in the fund before in the testnet. And we made some mistake regarding how we distributed Cairo for the tester during testnet. We gave that some manager who were like early adopters and they helped us to test the fund and improve it during testnet uh, version. And we got too much power to this manager without testing the actual uh, skills on the real market because the simulation, it was a simulation on testnet. So right now we are kind of cleaning that issue and we are, uh, in my opinion, we are near the end of this uh, cleaning phase in the fund where we lost, we have an ROI of minus 50%. So that's not at all a good point and a good sign for having attraction for investor at least. But we still have people around. So I think we have like core believers and we, we have this little community and still active. And I think it's really cool. That's an interesting point to me. You know, uh, you mentioned there's about a hundred, you know, active, like kind of managing investors, right? Amongst them, right? How much would the average, you know, participant or manager be? Would they be directing or investing the AUM individually, right? Would they be like doing, you know, managing or having the weight of like, say, 100 die, et cetera? Like, how much power do each of these managers have, right? Um, because, you know, from what I've seen and from like my light participation in one of the months, right, tells me that then it's not a lot of money. Yet, you know, a lot of people are still coming back to play the game, essentially. Yeah. I, you know, why do you think that's happening? Yeah. To answer your question, for example, the best manager right now maybe is managing 3,000. Uh, something die. Me personally, I have a portfolio of 200 die. And uh, when we were at the top in uh, July, when we launched, we were at 42,000 die in AUM. So the best manager was managing like something around eight or 9,000 die. What percentage of um, the total, uh, you know, fund was that? Eight to $9,000. And in terms of AUM, you mean? Yeah. Right now it's uh, 7,500. Some, like every month investors can withdraw their funds. So they are free to, to do what they want. They can deposit and uh, withdraw every 27 days. So no, so, so you meant you, at the height, there was a manager that was managing eight to $9,000. At that time, what, how big was Btoken itself? Mm, what do you mean by big? Basically, if they had eight to nine thousand dollars, you know, uh, the, I guess managing, you know, how big of a percentage did they take up inside of Btoken? Like, essentially, uh, I just I was, I'm asking, you know, how big of a majority that did that person have, you know, at the height? Maybe it was around twenty uh, percent. I don't know. I don't remember well, Zifram. Maybe you have a, a better memory than me. Uh, more like thirty something percent. Okay, yeah, 30, 20, 30, yeah. And uh, you, you can basically, uh, everything is transparent. You can go on the Cairo contract and see the actual distribution of token holder. We are sharing it on our phone letter report each month. We have a monthly report we are publishing each month. You can actually see 
who got what in terms of power. I guess, you know, the question, the question is, you know, how much funding did the, the B token kind of start off with, right? I guess since inception, right? In accordance with EVE, perhaps, right? And the bear market, right? It's decreased, you know, like 56%. Essentially, you know, in, in accordance, you know, with uh, every other kind of DeFi investment out there, right? And perhaps even token sets, right? Where do you think, you know, I guess B token can find its competitive edge, right? Especially when it's really, you know, trading in and out of, you know, uh, secondary to token markets, you know, as directed by its members. On the contrary, you know, while B token is a down, right? Its governing abilities and assets kind of being managed by so many different people with sets, for example, right? Um, there's maybe, you know, a couple of traders or one trader, you know, chart basically driving the activity and the trading activity of a specific set. Those historically haven't done so bad, right? They're professional traders, you know, and it makes sense, right? You know, they, they have the, uh, they have clearer judgment, perhaps. When you kind of line, uh, I guess, these human augmented DeFi investments, right? Where do you see kind of B token kind of going, right? And, you know, where it could fit, maybe even on a theoretical level, right? Because as, we're, as again, we're still with like working out all these smaller kinks, right? And, you know, we, it, the interesting thing is that, B token is operational. <laughs> it's live and it works, right? And what you might need to do, perhaps, to tinker with it, is really with uh, the community and its and participants, and maybe even play with new, I guess, deployments and with different communities, different people, right? Uh, but you know, just linking back, you know, where do you think you know B token can find its place? So first of all, I think I mentioned before, um, but because B token is a single fund with like all the managers managing the single fund, uh, there's more incentive for collaboration and forming a community. Whereas, for instance, on token sets and Melonport, where each individual manager manages their own fund, there's far less of a reason for them to collaborate or form a community. So that's one point. The other is... I think Btoken is more resilient compared to, say, an, a token set managed by a, a single manager, because just just because that Btoken has like many managers managing a single fund. So if you imagine that like the manager, you know, you just invested your money in a manager. I would counsel with that, right? I would argue against that. You know, saying that. Well, you know, yes, you know, one foolhardy trader operating a set, you know, um, may take a hit and they might go on a losing streak. They're maybe a bit flakier in the performance, maybe not. Who are like the users and, you know, <laughs> the managers of VTOKEN? I would probably guess they're not professional fund managers. They're probably, um, uh, my guess, the average DeFi user, right? Or just crypto explorer. And you could probably portray that as this is chaos. <laughs> you know, this is chaos working its magic. And the question, I guess, really, we just struck upon, right, is chaos are stronger and more resilient than order. I don't know. What do you think? I have this vision of uh, Btoken being like uh, working like a uh, Wikipedia stuff where Wikipedia can't exist without its community and the resilience of the community improving the content month, years after years. And with Bitoken on the long run, and we we are really hard believers in, in the wisdom of the crowd, uh, where 
one guy can't make it happen uh, each month having good array each month, but many people can product good results, but it takes time to build the community and attract good traders also. So what we see right now in terms of statistics, the top 10 manager in Bitoken each month, there is at least three or four guys who are every month, month after month in the top 10. So we are, we are getting better and better uh, at concentrating the power in uh, the good manager. But the actual design of Bitoken is, yeah, we are here for the long run and we just need to be patient. But yeah, right now it's chaos, but maybe it will be organized chaos in some months. Rebalances every month, right? And, you know, you've barely had, you know, six, seven months, really, for this to iterate <laughs> upon itself. So I, I'd imagine, you know, first three months, it's like people join and then they get, do, they get involved and perhaps drop out. And now you, you're left with like the true like warriors <laughs> who are still like, you know, fighting month on month, right? And I actually, yeah, you know, uh, I guess with the recent ETH return, right? The inception is actually the decrease of the percentage of return of inception, which is 50, minus 50, 56%. Isn't that bad? Like a while ago, it was like minus 70 something. <laughs> So we're like getting, we're getting, I don't know, <laughs> we're getting there. I mean, maybe yes, right? But I, I think it's an interesting point that I, I agree. You know, I think there's a lot of potential here on like the wisdom of the crowd and how we can harness it, right? And we're still like iterating through the first versions of this. Just curious, do you, do you think like the top traders are perhaps in a Telegram chat somewhere? <laughs> or do you have some sort of a top trader Telegram chat or, you know, Discord channel for coordination? There is no trader coordination. As far as I know, there is no this kind of group. But we know personally some traders who are good at that in the Japanese community because we have a strong Japanese community and there is the Japanese group on Telegram. Like three guys are there. We know that they are there. And what I wanted to talk about, the strength of Bitoken compared to token set or uh, Melon Pot, for example, Melon. There is also this product uh, side of Bitoken where we offer trading tool, but they are not in Melon. For example, when you see the results, the return of the Melon Manager is something following the market, like plus five percent, plus ten percent. It's kind of really boring. On Bitoken, we have like. This month manager with 48% of return or 50% of return. So if we give power to that kind of user in the long run, we can have tremendous uh, results each month. And if, I don't know, we just make maybe 10% each month. At the end of the year, it will be something really huge in terms of return on investment. Uh, so they have like margin tradings. They have different exotic products to play with. If they are good, they can win a lot of money. Right now, we, we are kind of proved of what we have built because, uh, like being humble, but we are proved to what we are built with a team of two compared to Melon or other. Right. <laughs> it's, it's actually crazy. Yeah. Like, um, you guys have one of the actually more polished, uh, DAP products out there. Actually, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, but you know, you guys actually put a lot of care in your design of your products. 
And we iterate a lot. Like we didn't did that alone. Thanks to the community, we got a lot of feedback and we were iterating every two weeks in the last two years. We were doing a lot of redesigning, uh, rebuilding stuff. Even ZFrame was recoding and refactoring a shit ton of line of codes. And, uh, it took two years to like one year and a half to launch all of that. How long did it take for you to launch BTOKEN? One year and a half. Like since the beginning of 2018. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like we don't want to compare ourselves to other, but when we don't understand people or teams doing ICO and having millions and not even launching a product yet on the market and just saying bullshit stuff around. Yeah, we are doing that or doing this but there is no actual community using that product for the dao side of btoken according to us also one of the first dao active dao where there is this kind of usage because if you see over like arrogance over dao maybe zfram know more about that than me but the actual community there is no no one is voting there yeah, I wrote a blog post about how no one votes for Aragon. That's a entire, you know, um, area we can get into. We are not good marketer for BitTokens. One downside of that, we are we are building that, but in terms of marketing it and having the fame that you can see with other protocol. we are not good at that. But maybe also if we have a better ROI, we can be more marketable in the sense of it doesn't matter to advertise something mean with minus 56% of the ROI. So I actually really like that because it's so fucking honest. You land on the website and you have that number there no matter what, right? Like, I don't think there's any like token project out there that's been like, hey, we're like down 99% since like, <laughs> like a year ago. So I think like actually really like that self-accountability measure. Maybe it needs to be updated. We've been up in the last few months. But, you know, yeah, I like it. Looking at reality as it is and not getting very far away from the truth, right? Because once you get away from the truth and you distort your own reality, you get away from building what's useful, finding product market fit, right? And that requires you to have keen senses of reality to kind of trace, you know, the hints of like when it's working. I guess BTOKEN is one of the projects that you've been working on a lot, right? But that's not the only thing you've built in the space. You guys are part of Bacon Labs. I love the name, but, you know, would you like to kind of share more about, you know, what is Bacon Labs? Uh, what are some of the other projects you've built, like 88 miles per hour? Or more recently, you've worked on, you know, Fantastic 12, right? I guess, you know, uh, the Discord bot that allows you to deploy, you know, DAOs within channels. What is Bacon Labs? Bacon Labs is hard to say, actually. So originally we started Betoken, but we wanted an entity that's separate from the product itself. Where did the name come from? You mean Bacon Labs? No, Betoken. I forgot to ask about that. Betoken, it's actually an English word from the dictionary. That means like a sign of like, it's kind of a prophecy prediction kind of thing. Which makes sense, given that our managers are trying to predict the market. And Bacon Labs is because, well, it's more random. It's like bacon, you know, it's cool. It's, we like bacon. 
So we started Bacon Labs kind of as an entity that represents ourselves, but is also separate from Batoken because we're thinking of, you know, building things more than Batoken. And from that point on, we have, you know, as you've said, we have worked on Fantastic 12, which lets you turn Discord channels into DAOs that could work on bounties, like Gitcoin bounties, etc. We're also working on 88 miles per hour. That's just DeFi magic, man. It's like Compound where you can get interest by lending, except one, the interest rate is fixed, which, you know, a lot of people really want. The other is that you get the interest up front. So, like, there's no painful waiting. Of course, the trade-off is that you have to lock your uh, money for that period. But I think that's a trade-off that a lot of people can accept. It's a time-traveling. I love the name 88 miles per hour because it's a direct reference back to the future. And, like, when I landed on the site a while back ago, the tagline was, like, if our calculations are correct... When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some real cash. Oh my god, this is like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I guess, you know, you guys have built various dApps, right? And, you know, you've worked on, you know, extremely long-term projects such as Vtoken. You've worked on it for nearly two years now, or just over, right? And you've built other products here. The thing that really surprises me is that, you know, they're actually very polished product-wise. How do you guys think about building product, right? You know, what is the typical process that you do go through, right? Do you start off with an initial hypothesis? Do you like just think of something that's really cool and build it, right? What's driving, say, a lot of the experimentation around Fantastic 12, right? And, you know, revenue generating DAOs within Discord? Maybe project-wise, we like doing basic stuff, like just listening. It can be silly to say that I'm listening every week. We are talking with a community in private, in direct message. There is manager complainings, for example, oh, that thing doesn't work or this thing doesn't work the way I want. So we are every week doing rebuilding stuff or incorporating new design in the model. For example, right now we have a dead manager where we deal with the fact that if someone is inactive for two months, we get rid of him like that we don't have phone that sleep infinitely in the phone. We have also this uh, way of um, decreasing the balance of care for a manager if he lose more than 25% on a position. If you lose more than 25%, you lose everything because you are kind of responsible. Like is this fact of we were uh, thinking with a uh, ZFrame regarding how we can give and ask more responsibility to manager. Uh, when a manager has 50 or 60%, a position 60% down, we think that is not someone we really want to keep in the fund. We can get rid of him in a centralized way. So we are thinking, oh, oh we can design it that way. And it's like a crypto Darwinism. It's like in natural. We get rid of what doesn't work naturally. And uh, it's daily, weekly usage that gets rid of these items we don't want. Have you thought of actually perhaps creating uh, different sunsetting periods for the for B token? For example, you know, it's like Survivor Island, right? Those TV shows where like 20 people get thrown on an island and each week one of them, you know, gets removed from the show. They get eliminated. And in the end, that person gets a prize, right? 
What if you can actually do something similar where you actually run periods? It's like seasons, just like in Fortnite, for example, right? You play in season one, right? And you rank up and get eliminated, right? Perhaps. And then, you know, season two, et cetera. I imagine like if you're a remaining top 20, you get the carry. <laughs> if there is any, right? Perhaps distributed. And perhaps that makes it, you know, iterative and you get a clean slate, perhaps. It's something we were talking, we got some advice from guys saying, hey, please create a new B token, uh, deploy a new fund with new rules, like a long-term horizon, for example, you lock your funds for 12 months or 24 months, like in terms of investor, like they can't withdraw for 12 months. And having long-term horizon for the manager also in terms of uh, investing and positioning themselves on the market. We were thinking about that with Zifram, but right now we don't want to spread too thin the team on too much instance of BitToken. It's maybe a strategy to yeah create a new fund, have the best manager accepted there, and starting a new venture from there. It's a lot of work in the sense of uh, it's already a lot of work to manage one community, one... Yeah, it's a lot of operations. Yeah, and we don't want to fuck up the things because we are not too paying not too much attention to details that can blow a fund and after the whole BitToken project will be done for good. We go small step by small step because we are a small team. We are going in that way for we discuss new way of doing things and we always want to work on new way of using DAO stuff and Fantastic 12 is just something that makes sense according to what we built before. Also. Why do you guys build apps? Why are you working in this you know, area? There's a lot of teams out there, you know, who are also just like endlessly experimenting, you know. And just building things, right? You know, a bit endlessly right now, even, right? Because not a lot of things are commercial. Market sizes, you know, aren't huge crypto native wise, right? How do you guys think about this, right? What do you guys see the long term play being? For me, is, uh, personally, I work as a UX designer for the last eight years and I was just doing boring stuff in e commerce or building platform for random customers and friends. That's the only things that excite me right now is building that, honestly, is the least boring stuff I can do as a designer right now. And I really enjoy it. And the community is awesome, like is just passionate people building stuff, breaking things because not everything work the way we want, but is the excitement that provide to build new stuff that weren't possible before and weren't imaginable and, uh, for BitToken, I joined uh, Zifram in uh, the beginning of 2018 because I wanted to build my own age fund. I wasn't able to understand the value and the advantage of Melonport, for example, and the product wasn't even hot. I saw that on Reddit and I jumped on the occasion. Oh, yeah, guys, I can help with the design. And I wanted to my own age fund. And right now I'm, I have my own age fund. So that's cool. For me, I think building dApps and the whole crypto space is just endless possibilities, honestly. Like, if you work in other spaces, like, what you've thought of probably has been thought of, like, a million times before. If you work in, like, math, for example. Angry protocol. <laughs> Researchers yelling right now as if they, nah, they don't listen to this. They don't care about users. Working on dApps, working 
in the blockchain space. I think it's just mind-boggling easy to build brand new things. For instance, like BitToken, like that's never been done before. Like it's just a completely new creature. And uh, we're seeing like how it's doing and um, Fantastic 12, like just letting anyone just be able to band together, start their own pool of money, working on collaborating on bounties. Like that's just new. It's just so insanely like easy to build new things. And that is just incredibly satisfying. And you're really feeling like you're able to contribute to your field. And move the needle. Yeah, move the needle. There's just so much white space and like every inch that we make in every direction, it's the effects of compounding, right? I Interestingly, I draw like one of the first things I, I personally looked up to, right, were a lot of the cryptographers in the 70s. Hellman, you know, Diffie and Merkel, right, and like work of Charm, they basically worked on these, you know, cryptography when no one cared. You know, they were the first ones to open source and openly publish, you know, the idea of uh, public key cryptography, right, and bring strong cryptography into the public, right? I guess you had the DAP developers of the 90s, right, where people like Phil Zimmerman, you know, created stuff like PGP, where, you know, he just believed it was incredibly important, right, for privacy, right? And I guess, you know, a lot of people worry about the bear market and worry a lot about people leaving the space. But honestly, I think people underestimate, like, the will to create, right, and the will to discover. It's nice to kind of like, you know, see a lot of progress driven just purely because it needs to be done. It's insanely important that we get these things down and we explore them, right? And we understand how to use them, right? I really, I guess, you know, resonate with the ethos of just building, right? Making progress in every area. That's what I enjoy too. You know, it's just like every new DAO we create, we learn something tiny bit new, right? And that just brings us a bit closer to like figuring out the next thing about web-free technologies. If you have like, you know, one advice for new uh, DAP developers, right? Coming into, you know, the space, you know, building, you know, or getting involved barely, you know, in the recent months, what would your advice be, right? Being around and just building stuff the last few years. Before DAPs are cool. Basically, you guys were early 2018, right? Like building DAPs on the application layer, finding these new use cases when people were trying to like, you know, dig for gold and get rich off ICOs, et cetera, right? You chose to actually just build and find out, you know, what is valuable because, you, you know, we're fucked, right? If we don't find, you know, discover these use cases, what would be your, I guess, your, uh, what you've learned of even one tiny piece? You can start testing ideas without actually using any code. You can just design something and prototype something and share early something on the community and not forgetting that you need a community for building a product. That's the most important stuff. You can build whatever you want, but if you don't have the community, you can't iterate and you can't have the proper feedback. And we are so happy to have the communities, the small community on BitOcon. So without them, we were like going right in the wall and start building the product, but don't forget the community right now. And you don't need any fancy stuff. You can do all remotely. You don't need fancy office. You don't need thousands of uh, millions. You don't need all of that. You can just start building and meeting with people. You need someone who knows how to code and you need a designer and you need someone to knows how to, you know, rally communities, right? This is like almost a new trio. Making friends with uh, the, like, 
maybe we forgot to thank the community of Kyber because they were the first to really get into the product of BitToken and they helped us tremendously. Also BZX, Tom and Kyle from BZX, they helped us kind of launch the product because they were talking with us, helping us, putting us in contact with other guys. And we met a lot of people in that community, in the DeFi community, and without them, maybe there was no BitToken at all. Making friends early, talking to people, even if it's a big project right now, they are really friendly. That's fucking cool. Even like MetaCartel, like you can talk to everyone in this thing and they are all friendly. And that's not something you, you find in a lot of communities, especially for me, you know, the e-commerce community where I spent the last decade. That's not at all the case there. Like, there is friendly people, but it's not like Defi. It's like a small village where you can meet everyone and nobody gives shit about who you are or how rich you are. Okay, I can listen and I can help you. And that's awesome, honestly. So don't hesitate to talk and like just send a message or tweet about something and someone will help you for sure. People forget how accessible people are, right? All it really takes is just like a meaningful question, <laughs> either to engage and, you know, and slide into messages, right? Here's a tip for anyone who wants to get the attention of anyone else, right? In, in, in case you're struggling to send them a meme, make them laugh. Business development trick. It's just like, if you want to engage with any uh, specific company, right? You just like create memes of that company and your first email to them is just a meme that you've customly and specifically created because you should have good humor. That's a tip. That's a really good advice. Yeah. See, from your side, you know, I guess what's something that you've learned building dApps over the last two years? My advice would kind of build on what I've said before that it's so easy to build new things is that I don't think you should ever get intimidated by anyone or, you know, anything that anyone says in this space just because it's so new. Like, someone said on Twitter, oh, like something can never be done. And then I just looked at that and said, hmm. And I just sat down, I spent two hours and I did the impossible thing, you know, and I sent them on Twitter. That's pool die, by the way, in case you didn't know. I flinched at that. I was like, I, I remember that moment. The token that was built in uh, a hackathon and that took like two days, like 48 hours and Fantastic 12, it probably took like the first prototype was created in within a day when you have a new idea like never get intimidated by anyone who says you know oh it can't be done or never get intimidated by yourself saying that oh like this is going to take so much time like i'll never be able to finish this with my free time or something don't just sit down and you know start building you'll really be surprised at how easy it is to just build the impossible. Right. And build and release, right, as soon as you can. And you'll be surprised by just, you know, perhaps what people think of it or how people use it. I think we'll leave it at that note. Thanks for your time, Zephyr and Gim. Um, this has been the Wizard of Daps. Uh, see you guys next week. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. If you enjoyed what you listened to and are interested in supporting this podcast, then please follow us on Twitter at Wizard of Daps. The show notes will be on our website, and if you want to continue the conversation, join our Telegram group. All links will be in the episode description. Thanks for listening.